Hey guys, this is Mike Mahaffey, the old bastard BJJ guy, here for BJJ Mental Models. Back in my day, we had to walk uphill in the snow both ways to get to the academy just to learn some crappy technique from a random purple belt. You kids have it so easy, because now you can just subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium and get tons of great audio courses to learn new techniques, enhance your mindset, and entertain yourself. You can even get personalized rolling reviews from some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now, get off my lawn, and go train. Hey, welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 71. I'm Steve Kwan. I'm Matt Kwan. BJJ Mental Models is your guide to a conceptual and intelligent jiu-jitsu approach. And I don't know about you, Matt, but I have basically lost all semblance of time. (laughs) Yeah, what day is it? Uh, For me, let me see. I have now been in quarantine for 33 days. So yeah, it's just everything kind of blends together. I totally forgot that Easter was this weekend. It totally snuck up on me because again, no concept of time whatsoever. Work and life and everything are kind of all blending together. Yeah, I got a chocolate hangover and... (laughs) Spent some time at the folks cabin there and just trying to relax and keep my mind busy at the same time. It's kind of uh, interesting. And I I wonder if, um, you know, I think you can look at this quarantine in, in, you know, maybe two different ways. One way is you're just, you know, constantly getting high playing video games or you're actually trying to accomplish something and and grow in other ways. So it's kind of a it's an opportunity, actually, in ways. And in other ways, it's kind of, I think, going to be a wasted opportunity for a lot of people. Yeah, we just released the podcast on entrepreneurship. And one of the theses that I had from that podcast was to explain how you can find positive in bad situations. I mean, being quarantined sucks, but there's opportunity there as well. You know, a lot of people are using this time to get in better shape or spend more time with their family or get new business ideas off the ground. So the best thing to do rather than sit there and get depressed is to find a way to turn this into a positive. There's always an opportunity that you can find in a crisis. So hopefully that episode was helpful to listeners out there. Um, In terms of doing useless stuff, my big thing is I've been playing the new Final Fantasy VII remake, which is highly recommended. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's really, really good. I mean, I I don't know exactly how many people out there, I guess we'd have to look at the demographics, but probably a lot of our listeners played that game growing up. And the the new one is just as good, if not better, in my opinion. So what about the soundtrack? Still, yeah, they like remastered it. They updated it. It's, uh, it's great. Whole thing is great. Great soundtrack. Yep. It's, uh, it's, absolutely like ludicrous in the best way but it's kind of interesting because in that game you are eco-terrorists like it and I guess when I was playing the original game I didn't really like this didn't really sink in with me but in this one it's like the game opens and you basically like blow up a power plant and kill like thousands of people and you're the good guys <laughs> and you're the good guys it's actually really weird <laughs> but um yeah that aside so today we wanted to talk about controlled breathing now we get a lot of questions about this and i've been humming and hawing about this for a while because it's hard to really put together a full one hour episode on how to breathe properly but i think it's worth talking about up uh, so we get a lot of feedback from white belts especially who say hey I know I'm supposed to control my breathing. Everyone tells me that I'm supposed to control my breathing. How do I actually do that? (laughs) Which is a good question. And I think this is one of those things that we kind of fail to teach people. You know, even before you learn about how jujitsu works, I think some of the first and most fundamental things that you should teach people are don't tense up, which we covered in the last episode, and learn to control your breathing. There's a lot of reasons why, and I think maybe a good way to structure this episode is to first talk about why it matters to control your breathing, uh, and then actually maybe talk about some strategies as to how to actually do it. Sound good, Matt? Yeah, I can, I can remember my first jujitsu class, the, uh, the instructor actually yelled at me at one point because I was breathing and exerting way too much noise and then he's like hey hey quiet down and I look around and that's hilarious and everyone is quiet when they're rolling I'm like oh I'm being way too theatrical here I shouldn't and and you'll see new people on their first day or you know their first week they don't 
they don't really know the framework of an actual jujitsu round or a match. So they're basically just in there fighting for their life. And I think that's a big factor is if you don't know actually like uh, you don't have a good framework of the positions and, and the ebb and the flows be, uh, between two people in a jujitsu match, then you know, you're going to be more panicking. You're going to be less knowledgeable of what's going on. And as a result, you'll probably not be thinking about your breathing too much, assuming you're a beginner, right? That's why when you see high level practitioners, very rarely are they, you know, huffing and puffing in an uncontrolled way. Not to say that they don't get, you know, gassed out or whatever, but they're very uh, careful how they exert their breathing. And yeah, I think, I think that's one of the main things that beginners struggle with is how to you know, how to keep calm during the time of uh, extreme stress. Yeah. When you are grappling for the first time, it's scary, right? I mean, you're basically in what feels like a fight. Now, once you've been grappling for a long time, you realize that jujitsu is actually pretty far away from a real fight, but it feels like it the first time you're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't know what you're doing. So it's natural to get scared. And that means that it's natural that your breathing is going to be ragged and out of control. And it takes a while to learn to get comfortable with that. Whenever you go into any new scary experience, normally one of the first things that happens is you kind of seize up, you go into fight or flight mode. And that's one of the reasons why getting experience in challenging situations is so important because it is that experience that teaches you not to panic, right, mm -hmm. Matt? It's like how you and Rob were talking about how if you want to learn self-defense, one of the best things to do is to do competition because that's the closest thing to a real fight that you're likely to experience, right? And you'll experience that anxiety and those jitters. Whereas if you're just training in the gym, yeah, there is a level of anxiety there, especially when you're starting. But after you've been doing it for a few months, I mean, going to the gym becomes a pretty comfortable and fun experience and you're losing that anxiety. So it's a situation where you want to challenge yourself by going into these situations that scare you. And that's part of how you learn to adapt and accommodate to them. So really a big part of controlling your breathing is getting that experience. Now, in terms of why it matters, like why do you actually want to control your breathing? I mean, First and foremost, a big part of it is energy management, right? It a lot and again, just a disclaimer, I am far from a scientist here. I do I do not promise that everything we say is totally scientifically accurate and correct. And uh, I, I've done very minimal research on this, but I, I can tell you from my experience and from others who grapple why this matters. And I do know that the science is out there that demonstrates the importance of controlled breathing and managing your breath. So something to to bear in mind that if you really want like full factual, detailed information. There's a lot of sources out there that you can find quite easily through Googling, but we'll talk about it to the best extent that we can. I mean, one of the most important things when it comes to controlling your breathing is controlling your fight or flight response. You know, there's the part of your brain, the amygdala, which triggers your fight or flight when you get scared. And that basically dictates how you're going to respond to a situation. You're either going to, you know, freak out or you're going to seize up or you're going to try to run away. Um, controlling your breathing goes a long way towards preventing your brain from going into that fight or flight mode. So this is why when you're a kid, for example, they tell you if you're angry, take 10 deep breaths or something like that. There's actually science behind why that is going to work. It's because it forces your body to slow down and to regulate itself and to get your pulse back under control. And then you can regain control of your faculties. Whereas when you're panicking, your brain goes into fight or flight mode and the the like higher level functions of your brain aren't in control anymore. It's the same reason why when you're at like you're mad or you're in a fight with a partner or a coworker, they tell you to like go take a walk and then come back or to talk about it later and not to have like an argument while you're mad. It's because you're not using the important parts of your brain while you're doing that. You're going into survival mode. And so learning to control your breathing is a good way to regulate that. I mean, I would also guess that it's probably better for um, your endurance as well. I don't know exactly how for true sure. that is, but I would assume it is that if you are, you know, controlling your breathing, you can probably control your heart rate and probably control your energy expenditure. I, I would assume so. It also prevents you from telegraphing fear to your opponent, which you never want to do. <laughs> like yeah. through, breathing you, actually allows you to telegraph a lot to your opponent. If your opponent's breathing is really ragged, um, then you know that they are struggling. And similarly, if they're really gasping for breath, you know that whatever you're doing to them is working. <laughs> so it's a way to telegraph to your opponent that you're losing and you don't want to do that. Um, and one other thing that is important 
important to remember when it comes to controlling the breath is if you can control your breathing, it's going to render things like chokes harder to implement. So for example, if someone's got a chokehold on you and you panic and you start Mm -hmm. breathing like crazy, that's probably going to increase the blood flow, which is going to make it easier for your opponent to choke you. So it's really important when someone is choking you to learn to be relaxed and control your breath. And that will buy you maybe even a few seconds of time to fight your way out of it. So that's part of the reason why they tell you don't spaz out of a choke, (laughs) because in addition to safety... When you're in a choke, you don't want to increase your blood flow. You want to slow down and be more relaxed to buy yourself some time. Yeah, those are all great points, Steve. Um, Like you said, controlled breathing essentially has an effect where it regulates your energy. And controlling your breathing will regulate the amount of oxygen that gets to your muscles. So things like burning your muscles out and lactic acid building up. Again, I'm not a scientist, but, uh, you know, you, you basically will stay fresher if you can manage your breath um, and even, even not even during a match, but before a match, when you're in, you know, you're on deck and you're waiting to go on, that's some of the most anxious times a competitor can have. Usually for me anyways, once I get on the mat, I feel much more comfortable than when I'm waiting in the bullpen or when I'm standing, watching, you know, the guys in front of me fighting and then I'm about to go on. Um, so breathing is kind of your best friend because it really can bring you back down to earth Um, and bring your heart rate down and get you focused. And I find that in a match, usually the person who's, um, who's dictating the tempo, uh, usually doesn't have the problem with the breathing. It's, you know, I've been in matches where I dominate the entire match and I come away and completely fresh. And it felt like I was in the moment the entire time. And it's because I was dominating the tempo and, um, my breath was never really compromised. I was always able to see what was going on and make decisions as they were, as the problems were coming up. But if, if my, uh, I've been in matches when my opponent can, you know, gain the tempo on me, maybe they pass my guard momentarily. And then it's like, Oh shit. Now it's, now it's defensive mode. All of a sudden, your breathing increases, your heart rate increases, anxiety increases, and you all have to, you know, you have to manage all of these problems all at once. So it's really important that no matter what happens, that you do maintain control of your breath because getting to those positions where, um, you know, you're either dominating the tempo or you're uh, in like a neutral position in a rest situation, that's kind of the spots you want to be able to funnel your game towards so that you can now dictate, you know, your game on the other person. Yeah, it's interesting because when you watch low-level, inexperienced people grapple, you'll notice that usually they're getting by on cardio, right? Normally, they're getting by on athleticism, and they can really burn themselves out really quickly. Now, some people are just inherently more athletic or have better cardio, and that can give them a false positive where they think that they're doing things right because, oh, yeah, my body lets me go for 30 minutes at this pace. I mean, I must be doing something right, but not really. If you look at more experienced people, they don't grapple that way. Uh, Like if you are watching two, you know, purple, brown, black belts fight, a lot of the time they can go for quite a while because they're trying to minimize their energy expenditure and Mm. breathing is a big part of that. So, I mean, if you see, you know, two high level people at your gym roll, I mean, normally they can probably go for quite a long time and it's not even that they necessarily have this giant gas tank. A big part of it is just that they're managing their energy expenditure and they're doing that by controlling their breathing and by trying not to tense up. So that's a very, very important strategy. Um, Another thing, Matt, that you brought up, which is really important, is the ability to combat anxiety and jitters by using breathing. And this is something that, uh, you know, like mindfulness and meditation experts have been talking about for like thousands and thousands of years. Um, Basically, if you focus on your breathing, then that allows you to, it gives you like an anchor for your mind to focus on. So you can focus on something in the present moment. When you're anxious, normally it's about something in the future that hasn't happened yet. You know, like you're, people get very anxious, for example, if they're heading into a public speaking event or a job interview or a competition or something like that. And the reason why is because they're worried about the future. They're worried about what's going to happen to them Mm -hmm. in a day, an hour, a few minutes. And one of the best strategies for combating that is to focus on the present moment. So this is something that I always do when I have a big, uh, like a big meeting or very important event coming up beforehand, rather than spending days obsessing and worrying over it and kind of getting anxious, I focus 
focus on what's going on in the present moment. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to pay attention to your breathing. So again, that's a very good way to calm yourself down when you're stressed out is to focus on what your breath is doing. And that will take you out of whatever is happening that is creating that stress for you. Yeah, just, you know, keeping your nerves calm by controlling your breathing and not getting overstressed will pay off big time for a competitor because it'll usually help prevent those big adrenaline dumps. And it's one of the biggest things that happens to competitors in competitions is, uh, and it can happen even before the fight. Like I've, I've had situations where I'm about to step on the mat and I feel faint and I'm like, Oh God, the adrenaline dump is happening. And it's, it's really a mental battle to be able to manage this, um, you know, before, during and after, or in between matches. Um, and just sometimes you're not in a good position by the time you get up, it's time to go on. So it's really important that you, you know, you play that mental game within your, your mind and, and slow yourself down. Um, and yeah, like adrenaline dumps will kill you as a competitor. And you mentioned Steve, how, you know, two high level guys rolling in the gym, or they don't even have to be high level. They could just be two guys rolling in the gym. A lot of the time, you know, you could roll for like 20 minutes and be fine. I mean, you'll be tired, but it's not like you are. Uh, dead, you know. Whereas in a competition, if you're if you're in a ten minute match, by the end of the match, just because of the the environment and the stakes on the line and the fact that you don't know the other person you're fighting, you know, a lot of the time, even not ten minutes, you're going to be absolutely exhausted. And it's because all these other factors come into play when you're not um, on you know home ice advantage, as you might call it. Whereas in, when you're in the gym, it's a familiar setting. You, you know, you know, there's no stress, there's no eyes watching, there's nothing on the line. All these things sort of add up. And I think one of the best ways that you can keep yourself calm when you introduce all these different factors is focusing your breath. And, you know, one of the things that Danaher always talks about is like, uh, and I try and tell myself when I'm going into a match too, is that this is basically no different from rolling in the gym this is what you would be doing every day um it's just a matter of turning off the lights turning off the the crowd and just focusing on the task at hand it's just another day doing jujitsu yeah definitely and i mean that's a good point which is that a lot of the time if you're under a lot of stress you can even get like faint-headed and that's because you're kind of letting your emotions and your fear get the better of you. And going back to the breath is one of the best ways to control and manage that. The interesting thing is it doesn't really matter how good you are as a grappler. Like you could be a world-class jujitsu practitioner, but there's two things that are always going to shut you down no matter what, no matter how good you are, no matter how athletic you are. One of them is lactic acid. Corona. <laughs> corona, corona. <laughs> okay, three things. Um, one of them is lactic acid, right? It doesn't matter how good you are. If you allow your muscles to burn out, you can't fight. That's just the way that it is, right? The other thing is the breath. If you can take away someone's ability to control their breathing, they're going to go into panic mode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why things like smothering attacks actually work really well. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Like from mount and things like that. Yeah, smothering yeah. Smothering the face is amazing. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it doesn't matter how good your training is. It doesn't matter how much technique you have. If you cut off someone's ability to breathe, they're going to go into panic mode and they're going to make mistakes. So that's a strategy that totally works. And being able to control your breathing, even in very scary situations, is so key. I mean, I know we've talked about this earlier, but back in the day, you watch UFC fights and there used to be this whole game they would play where they would like cover the person's mouth or their nose with their hands. And the idea was to make their breathing ragged and to take away their ability to control their breath. And we do see this in jujitsu a lot, especially from mount, where you try to smother the person and that forces them to make stupid mistakes and to expose their neck and to expose their arms, right? So definitely a strategy. And as a grappler, part of your game has to be not just managing your technique and your strategy, but also managing the resources of your body, which means like managing your, your energy, managing your oxygen, and breathing is such a key part of that. Yeah, it's just, you know, per, the thing that instantly popped into my mind when you're talking about making your opponent's breath uh, ragged is... Uh, Wagner Hocha and his Python technique. Like, that should be the thumbnail. That, looks super, that should be the thumbnail. Yeah, right? that's a For good controlled one. breathing. <laughs> that, that looks super, super duper unpleasant. He basically, you know, you're in the back and instead of trying to even do like a neck crank or get underneath the, the, the jaw for a rear naked choke, you essentially just cover your opponent's um, mouth and nose. He actually, I think he did a, a, like a, a video on how he does it and he, 
he actually, if I'm not mistaken, he covers the nose downward so that it kind of folds the nostrils closed. And it's, 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 first of all, it's embarrassing as hell. And second of all, it's super effective, super effective to the point where I think Eddie Bravo actually outlawed it in EBI because he said that it's, it's the dirtiest part of your opponent's body over your face, which is funny because <laughs> combat jujitsu allows slaps to the face with the same part of the body. Yeah, if you're overly obsessed about like people's hygiene, um, then I think that you've got bigger fish to fry if you're doing jujitsu. This strikes me as how when like the coronavirus outbreak kept happening, people were saying like, don't worry, don't worry, our gym, we sanitize the mats all the time. And it's like... It's not really what it's about. Yeah, I, I don't think you guys really understand exactly where the risk is coming from. And, and yeah, same thing there. I mean, regarding covering the mouth, like, I don't think that should be outlawed. That is a completely legitimate strategy. Totally I mean, legit. I think that should be allowed for, for IBJJF. I yeah. mean, it's not like the person's going to suffocate. No, they They're can gonna, always tap. They can always tap, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, And it's not like you're doing actual damage. No, it, just, it's frankly just... a lot safer than probably even like applying a choke. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it should be legal. It should definitely be legal. But it's dirty as hell. And it's, uh, gr- it is gross, I will say, but it's super effective. So you can't deny, you know, covering someone's nostrils as uh, not being effective. So I prefer to just use my giant, like, dad bod beer gut and just get mount and then just squish people with my flab i mean hey if you're if you're a fat dude like this is one of the few times when like being big and like heavy and fat is going to be an advantage to you is just taking mount and then just basically smothering people's faces yeah and what's awesome about that is like you if you do that your hands are actually free to yeah. base out and to you know pummel and do all and isolate wrists and stuff so yeah absolutely using yeah. your torso especially if you're like you said a big fat hairy guy with no rash guard <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> that's the worst when someone without a rash guard does it's like god oh it's the absolute worst i mean at that point this borderline psychological warfare it's really gross but it's effective yeah it's legit though it is legit so i mean i guess we've hopefully convinced everyone at this point why controlled breathing is important and odds are most people probably had at least a peripheral understanding of why it matters but it's hard right it's very very hard to actually do this particularly in a tense situation so i guess the next question is okay you're convinced you know this is important how do you do it how do you force your body to do something that is unnatural to you and i guess it goes back to kind of the beginning like we said at the the top of the episode a big part of it is just getting comfortable being uncomfortable you know it's it's hard and your breathing gets ragged because you're scared and you're scared because this is a new experience and the more you expose yourself to that experience the less scared you're going to be and the easier it's going to become i mean if you think back to like your first jujitsu class especially before you even got on the mat but like when you were about to go to the class and then you got to the class and then you were getting changed and you were about to go on the mat Recall how scary that was, right? And mm. then recall, like, even a month later, how scary it wasn't anymore. You know, it's amazing how quickly you can get used to these things. So that's something to consider, that, you know, repeated exposure to your fears is a good way to strengthen your resolve and to conquer those fears. Um, and with breathing, it's very much the same thing. So really, any kind of environment where you're you're scared to do something, whether it be a competition or jujitsu or even, like, public speaking repeated exposure is one of the best ways to conquer that fear and to learn how to control your breathing and to get used to it. So um, that's one way that I would suggest. But another thing that matters with controlled breathing is the best way to control your breathing is not just to do it when you're doing jujitsu, but to do it all the time Mm -hmm. like oh yeah it's every aspect of life yeah you want to build it as a habit for your entire life not just for grappling because if your thought is i'm not thinking about my breath at all but then when i go to jujitsu i gotta really think about my breath well you're going to make mistakes and you're going to have a hard time maintaining your breath because it's not something you're used to thinking about so that's why when you look at like meditation or yoga or mindfulness practitioners they're always talking about the breath and how like at all times, you should develop awareness of the breath and Mm. always be aware of it. Because in addition to helping you regulate your breath, that also gives you an anchor into what's going on right now in the present moment. And that makes it a lot harder for you to worry and obsess and get anxiety about things that are coming up or that have happened in the past. Like (laughs) one of the interesting things about human beings is we spend so much time obsessing over 
what's going to come up in the future and so much time obsessing over what we did in the past and what we did wrong and the mistakes we made that we're not actually living in the present moment. (laughs) And the present moment is really the only thing you've actually got, right? The past and the future are both kind of like, you know, the future is hypothetical. The past has already happened. The only thing you really have is the present moment. So in order to really maximize enjoyment of life, you should do everything you can to live and experience the present moment to the fullest. And learning to kind of become aware of your senses, such as breathing, is a very, very good way to do that. So what's interesting is when you talk about like yoga and mindfulness and meditation, people think you're talking about all sorts of like spiritual healing crystal nonsense, right? But that's actually not really it. There is a tremendous amount of science that actually backs the importance of mindfulness training. And really the backbone of mindfulness training is learning to control your breathing. So the best way to do this, to control your breathing, is just to be trying to do it at all times. Uh, Like there's a lot of exercises, even apps you can use that teach you how to do this. And you want to get to the point where you're not just trying to control your breathing in key stressful moments of your life, but it's just something you're always trying to do. And you're trying to train yourself because you will make mistakes. Like you will forget to breathe properly. You will develop ragged breathing, but the, and it's okay to make those mistakes. But the idea is you want to train your brain so that you constantly become aware of when you screw it up and you're not breathing properly. And then you pull yourself back onto the right course and you start breathing properly again. Yeah. I saw, I saw Gary Tonin um, make a post about how, you know, how do you stay calm in a fight and, you know, how do you not have huge adrenaline dumps during a fight? And he, his answer was basically, well, if you come in unprepared, then you're going to be less confident. And if you're less confident, you're going to be worrying about what the other person does to you rather than what you're going to do. And, you know, that's really good advice because um, it's, it's, I think, one of the biggest problems competitors uh biggest mistakes competitors make and i've made it too is you kind of worry about what the other person's going to do rather than how you're going to win and if you think about how the other person's going to you know what they're going to do to you then you're basically playing from a defensive mindset so it's really important to you know um like you said all the things where you're managing your breath and consciously really thinking about your breath at all times whether you're in the gym or the match but also come in fully prepared so that you have the confidence um you know you you know that if you're going to get into a bad position you have the cardio to dig yourself out and you have the ability to to uh fight back and be in the moment i think i think like what you said steve about being in the moment is one of the biggest uh one of the best ways that a competitor can make decisions in a match and not worry about uh, what their opponent's going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And just like in life, you know, if you're, if you have a stressful job, I remember again, I'll just reference my old career when I was cooking and bills are just piling in and you're completely whited out with bills. It's like, there's so many times we're just taking a deep breath, help me out. And then you can get back to work as opposed to just, you know, constantly stressing and not, not letting your heart rate recover. You're just, uh, running around like an idiot. But if you just take a second to just calm yourself with a breath you'd be amazed sort of how you can focus in on the task at hand and fighting is no different so just like uh you know when they're asking oh what can you do to improve your your breath i think uh like consciously thinking about it when you're in these times is really important kind of like you know if someone has really poor posture and you have to you have to get uh, improve your posture well one of the things you have to do is you have to consciously think about it and sort of create a good habit of keeping your shoulder blades pinched and your your shoulders back and only that's the only way that you can really make it a a habit and then eventually that's just going to become the the status quo with your posture right so so if you're um yeah if you're not thinking about your breath if you're not trying to train yourself um you know in doing doing a really really uh consistent job of that then it's just you know it's not going to happen as easily so like I said, just just like improving your posture, you have to be thinking about it at all times. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, we think that like the mind leads the body and, you know, we kind of think of like the body is the car and your your mind is the driver, but it's not actually that simple. Like it, it, the mind and the body are actually really, really intertwined and what's going on in your body can affect your brain. So if you're breathing raggedly or you're moving or acting really erratically, that can trickle right up to your brain, right? So, um, it, I mean, a good example of how the, the body can affect the brain is how if you smile, like it's actually proven that just the act of smiling more, even if you don't mean it, actually makes you happier, mm-hmm. which is weird, but it does, right? 
It's like so, Marcelo keeping a straight face yeah. during his matches. Yeah, so um, the controlling the breath is a very similar practice of how if you can manage your breath, it manages your anxiety. And it's not just managing the breath as well. There are other things you can do to manage your anxiety. So for example, a lot of people, when they're really nervous, they'll move faster or they'll they'll start to like stutter or they'll talk really, really fast because they're really nervous. So they talk like this. Uh, so learning how to actually slow yourself down when you're talking is a good way to actually control your anxiety when you're, you're doing public speaking. You're kind of forcing your body yeah. to slow down and to bring your pulse and your heart rate back down. It's a very, very similar approach to the way that you manage controlling your breathing. That's, that's funny that you mentioned that because when I was recording my instructional with Rob and Stefan, that's the advice they kept giving me was like, uh, they said, in, okay, you're saying uh too much, like you're pausing and saying uh too much, kind of like a, you know, a, a, a hockey player being inter- interviewed or, or any any athlete getting interviewed is always uh, uh, uh. Yeah. And so they said, it's better to slow down and um, speak, speak in a slow manner rather than saying uh all the time. And there's there's effects on on the the viewer where they actually can take in the information a little bit easier this way and you don't sound like a an idiot right yeah. <laughs> so so slowing down your your speech is really good and i think we should also mention just like um sometimes people don't it's not that they're breathing too hard but they forget to breathe yes and this can happen they hold like they hold their breath hold even. your breath yeah. and this of course will lead to uh fatigue a lot quicker um but in even in anything you know imagine a common habit for people who are new to weightlifting is they hold their breath. And as a result, they, they get tired after a few reps, right? Whereas if you manage your breath and you, you, uh, you know, create a rhythm with your breath and your exertion, then it becomes more like a, like a, like a rhythm. And then, you know, you can get way more reps, you get way more out of your body and you're just, um, you're just primed for more exertion. So it's, it, it, it's really for all physical exertions, but you know, like you mentioned, public speech and things like that, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. Anywhere you need to manage your nerves. Yeah. Basically you're regulating the pace of your own body. I mean, as a, a very, very wise and successful person once said, like, slow it down. And if you think you're already going slow, slow it down even further. Um, now, of course, the wise man who said that was Triple H, one of the greatest WWE wrestlers <laughs> of all time. He also said, suck it. <laughs> A lot of gems coming from Triple H. But the that really does actually matter, like especially when you're public speaking, like we don't realize how fast we're talking a lot of the time. It's very easy when you're nervous because your brain is going at like a hundred miles an hour. You try to bring your mouth up to that level and you don't realize that you're basically just like rambling and stuttering, but it's very clear to the other person that you're scared Mm. and learning to slow down. Like in your head, it feels like, man, I'm talking way too slow right now. I'm talking so slow. Everyone's going to notice they won't <laughs> like no yeah. matter how fast or how slow you think you're talking you can always slow it down even further um so and this applies to breathing as well right like you might think that your breath is totally fine but try slowing it down and try being more controlled because one thing to bear in mind is that your opponent much like how if someone is nervous when they're speaking and you can tell if someone is nervous from their breathing, you can tell that as well if you're grappling with them. Yeah, and that's you're act- close enough to hear it and feel it. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's like a, like, you know, like the scent of blood if you're sparring with someone, you know, if you can tell that they're scared from their breathing, that's going to give you the confidence to know that you got to go for the kill now and you do not want to be giving that signal to your opponent. Now, interestingly, another strategy for learning to control your breathing is like we just said, your opponent is probably going to detect if you're you're freaking out when you're training Tell your opponent, like, if you notice that I'm out of control with my breathing, tell me, give me a signal, because that's a good way to train yourself into the right behavior. Ask for the immediate feedback. Yeah, it's similar to how if you're tensing up too much, like if you're a white belt or a blue belt and you're worried that you're tensing up too much, the best thing to do is if you're going against a really high level opponent, tell them, like, if if I'm tensing up too much or I'm breathing too fast, tell me right away so I can correct it. And after that happens a few, enough times, you're going to eventually learn how to manage that on yourself and to take to develop the awareness of that situation so you don't need someone else to tell you. So there's another strategy you can use to control your breathing. Triple H married China at one point. Triple H did. Were they actually married or just dating? I'm unclear. They had sex. Oh, God. 
Yeah. The, <laughs> the, 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 like, the evolution of China is fascinating. Man, there's going to be a lot of people that we've just totally lost in this conversation. <laughs> I don't know. If I was listening, I'd laugh. I, I think I would, too. She sure. died, eh? Yeah, she did. I think of a, I'm not sure. I think of a drug overdose or something. But man, what a, what a life. Yeah, so Triple H is now married to Stephanie McMahon. I mean, talk about marrying up. You know, Triple H was like this weird, giant-nosed weirdo, and then he, like, married the boss's daughter, and now he's running the company. And now so. she's so juiced. Remember? <laughs> I remember when she first started, and she was like this small, cute little girl. And now she's, she's like as jacked as her husband. She's huge now. Yeah, if you, if you actually see her, like, compete in there with the other women, even against, the, like, the full-time professional female wrestler roster members, Stephanie McMahon is way bigger than that. <laughs> like, she's huge. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Anyways. So, I don't know. Maybe we should do an episode, you know, we've done. On China. I was going to say on steroids and getting juiced. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's not a bad idea. It, it would be interesting to have an objective conversation about that. I mean, my wife is a molecular biologist, so I was thinking of getting her to research it and come on and explain to everyone. If you're interested in, like, learning how to get jacked, I'm joking. I am interested. Oh. I don't encourage the use of going out there and getting totally roided up to the gills, but I am interested in like how the science of it actually works. So, Dude, that- I, I used to be so against steroids, and now that this is my full-time career and I'm like 32 and, you know, life's just flying by, I'm thinking like, damn, I'm starting to understand why people do this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like, yes, it's cheating. Yes, in a perfect world, no one would do steroids. And yes, we probably don't want to encourage it because you don't want to wind up like escalating to the point where, again, like the WWE did, where you got people dropping dead at 30 because of too much drugs. But on the other hand, I think that it it might be valuable to actually just have like an objective conversation about like, how did these things actually work? It's really, really an interesting area of science. And it kind of goes to show that like, you know, yes, there's a lot of dogma around these things and, and probably rightfully so, because you don't want to go overboard on any kind of drug but these things are tools that with the right oversight they're they might be useful in some ways i mean the thing about steroids to bear in mind is like doctors will prescribe you steroids as a recovery mechanism in some situations because it works right now granted there's obviously massive side effects to steroids yeah, but if, you, if like i think a lot of a lot of people do steroids but they don't realize what it's actually doing to their endocrine system. Yeah, or to their heart, right? Like if you if you get if you get a doctor who's really experienced in in understanding hormones and things like that, then I think it's pretty safe. But if you just you know, if you just go to like the gym and your weightlifting buddy's there and he's like, You're gonna get jacked if you do yeah. this, do this, it's like, well, there's tons of things that go are going on in your body and you might not even know what's going on, right? Yeah. You might yeah. not know what you're doing to your body. Like you could you could do certain types of steroids and then, you know, in the end it just ends up killing your your entire testosterone. Or you could do ways where you can sort of balance it out and and uh and do it quote safely right and then there's things like hgh like i've heard i've heard human growth hormone if you take that it'll make everything in your body grow so if you have like cancer cells it'll make them grow too which is not good really right that's that's what i've heard huh. I, i'm not a scientist i this is literally what i i know people who have told me this stuff but i think that microdosing uh safe levels and you know coming from someone who's like really uh, knows what they're talking about um and has experience uh, with hormones and the endocrine system, then it's it could be it could be beneficial. I think. Like, yeah, I uh, I would and, not want detrimental to your health. Yeah, I would not want to self medicate with this kind of stuff because there's so much evidence of what goes totally haywire when people do that. But I do think that this is an area much like with like LSD and hallucinogenics where there should be a lot more objective research on this stuff. Now, the reality is, like, if it's illegal in a competition, it's illegal in competition. And I stand behind that, like, cheating is bad. Yeah. So I I don't think you should use it in competition. It's cheating. I think any victory under the use of, uh, like, a drug like that is obviously immediately tainted and invalid. But as a form of medicine, I think that we need to have an objective series of conversations about what it can do. Um, now, now, this, I granted, we're totally way off track here, but yeah. I, th- I think that... I was going to say, what if everyone else is cheating? <laughs> yeah. But I think that actually this might be a good topic for a future episode. So if you want to learn the science of, like, getting totally jacked out of your minds... Uh, let us know and maybe we can do that. Also, I think people who do 
PEDs for jujitsu are probably they have different goals than people who are doing PEDs yeah. for weightlifting. Yeah, like there, there's a difference between like I'm in like constant pain and my body's degenerating and I'm getting old and a, a doctor is going to help me control the doses versus I'm Andrew Gaffal. Like that's that's a total. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> oh, okay. Throwing shade at him. Come on, like take a look at the before and after pictures of that guy. I'm not saying that it can't be done natural, but yeah. I would be very very surprised. It's, it's so fucking prevalent in jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. it's like yeah like leandro Lowe used to be i think a lightweight and now he's is just huge like you know you look at some of these guys like gordon ryan's the the growth that this guy's gone through these guys aren't even really trying to hide it right and that's mm-hmm. it's kind of the culture of our sport yeah. unfortunately but and that's where i think yeah. it gets dangerous because it's if it becomes like an arms race like that where now people are doing it out in the open and it becomes almost an expectation that's when you start seeing things like what happened in pro wrestling where it becomes kind of an arms race and everyone needs to be more jacked and then eventually it gets to the part where like parts of your heart are enlarging and your testosterone is going crazy and people are like dropping dead at the age of 30 and that's where we want to avoid it um anyway possible teaser for a future episode we could talk about that kind of stuff uh anything else that we wanted to talk about on the topic of breathing though matt I mean, I, I think that's probably pretty a pretty good comprehensive discussion. So, but yeah, for beginners, if you're looking to, you know, calm down, that's probably a great place to start. And it's it's a skill, like we said multiple times in this episode, it just follows you throughout life. Anytime you're in a stressful situation, taking a deep breath is a huge, uh, you know, it's a really important tool to understand and, and to use. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I think that managing the breath is so important because controlling your breathing is going to benefit you across the board in shocking, shocking ways. If you learn to become aware of your breath, you're going to learn to become aware of when you're scared and aware of when you're panicking. And if you can learn to become aware of that and to calm yourself down before you do something stupid, you'll probably be shocked by how many conflicts you can avoid that were totally unnecessary, by how many stupid mistakes you can avoid, by how much the quality of your life improves. So really learning to control your breathing is kind of like a hack to improve your life across the board, but it will definitely also help in terms of controlling your uh, your breath in terms of jujitsu. Very helpful there as well. So It'll also help you when you're taking giant bong tokes. I wouldn't know anything about this, so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, so I guess just to recap again, some suggestions if you're having trouble learning to control your breathing. I mean, one thing to do, of course, is like mindfulness training. That's always very helpful um, or any sort of breathing activity. Really what you're trying to do is you're trying to make controlling your breath a habit so that it's not something that you just do on the mats. It's also something that you do well, just all the time, 24-7. You're learning to control your breathing because if you make it a habit, It's a lot easier to call on that habit when you need it versus doing something that you wouldn't normally do and you're not that comfortable or familiar with. In grappling, you can also obviously just tell your opponent when you're training to point out when your breath is out of control and then use that as a trigger to to kind of bring it back under control. And eventually you'll learn to do that on your own. Um, That's a very, very helpful strategy as well. And Matt, like Matt mentioned earlier, if you ever notice a situation where you're kind of like out of the moment and you're getting anxious about something coming up or you're getting anxious about something that you did in the past and you're obsessing over it, going to the breath and looking at your breathing and learning to control it and focusing on the breath is a very good way to pull your mind back into the present moment, which helps a lot with controlling anxiety. Mm hmm. Cool. So just to recap the the mental models that we talked about in this episode, of course, first and foremost, we talked about controlled breathing. We also talked about staying loose. This is very closely related to controlling the breath. And this is something we talked about in the last episode where learning not to overtense your muscles and to stay relaxed is actually kind of goes hand in hand with learning to control the breath. We talked about growth from discomfort. So a big part of maintaining your relaxation is exposing yourselves to scary situations and getting comfortable with them so that you're not so scared in the future. We talked about mindfulness. Uh, Controlling your breathing is a very powerful way to bring your attention back into the present moment, which is great if you're anxious about something that's coming up in the future or something that you did in the past. And we talked about self-competition. So Matt mentioned that, you know, it's very easy to obsess in competition about what your opponent's doing, but really what you need to do is focus on what you're doing 
and controlling the breathing is a good way to kind of pull your brain back into the present moment so you're not so obsessed about what your opponent may or may not do that's not going to be a productive thing and it, it just allows your kind of you to get ahead of yourself and to trip over yourself so it's always best when you detect yourself obsessing over something like that to do some breathing pull yourself back into the present moment yep yep and also uh we didn't really touch on it much but there are a lot of tools that you can use like assault bike uh, different cardio uh, machines i always recommend the assault bike because for me nothing exhausts me as much as that piece of machinery but doing things like you know never sitting out rounds or uh, even sometimes when i'm preparing for a tournament i'll try and even skip the breaks so if we're doing like fives or sixes or whatever i'll try and have a hard round and then immediately try and pick a new partner and just go right away when i'm tired and i think sort of hunting that exhaustion um it gives you confidence and it also of course increases your cardio and uh yeah getting off the assault bike exhausted and trying to grapple someone is not a comfortable feeling but uh it it can build you in in those ways so you know there's also the the uh, physical aspect of improving your your breath and improving your um, cardiovascular mm-hmm. uh, definitely abilities. Cool. You want to do some questions? Yep. What do we got? I got three questions. They're all very related. You're going to like them. First question: I just listened to episode sixty six and would like to learn more about the virtual academy. The oh, <laughs> <laughs> <April> fools. Yeah, <laughs> it was a joke. Yeah. Second question. We tried though. Yeah, we, we, did try, try. we tried to make it. And given the the current landscape of what's going on, it's it's like perfect timing. Because <laughs> every gym owner right now is doing online classes. And yeah. and you know, I really can't knock the hustle. I, I appreciate these guys are trying to, you know, keep bit um, you know, revenue coming in and trying to provide for their students. But God, some of these some of these online classes, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, like I think it's better than nothing, especially for kids programs, but it's, it is also, there's kind of a degree of depression when you're like doing these online classes and it's just like, man, I'm, this is better than nothing. At least I'm getting off the couch, but this is just not the same. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing online streams for kids three times a week and mm. we're basically just, the main focus is uh, really improving the solo movements and, um, you know, like if you can master those solo movements, it, those are things that I can't really focus a ton on in class because I want them to get more sparring time. So when they come back, hopefully they'll, they'll have mastered these solo movements and I can spend a lot more time talking about theoretical stuff like morals and, you know, uh, th- things of like life lessons, things of those, of those natures and yeah. fear, what is fear, stuff like that. You know, it's really good for kids to, to hear that. So I think that one of the best ways to give value through jujitsu is actually to use jujitsu as a vehicle to teach people how to live better. This is kind of the whole point of the show in a lot of ways is, I mean, yeah, it's technically about jujitsu, but it's also really not. It's about something bigger. And so if you are a gym instructor, I mean, I know everyone is trying to pivot to like doing these Zoom calls where people are doing solo drills. And I mean, that's that's great and all, but I think you should also consider maybe having more conceptual discussions about how jujitsu can improve your life and like drawing parallels between that kind of stuff. I think that there's actually a, that's a very untapped market in these difficult times. So something to think about. I'm, I'm using this opportunity to really focus on those things. Whereas in class, if I had if I had a bunch of kids in the room, I'd, I'd want to spend the majority of the time in live sparring or live Mm -hmm. target sparring or drilling or whatever with a partner. Now I can focus on things where, you know, maybe I wouldn't spend so much time talking about like the life lesson aspect of, of, uh, you know, what jujitsu can do and how it can help your life. So I'm, I'm actually noticing good improvements in that way. And a lot of the parents have told me that they really like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually, you know, when we did that virtual Academy thing, it was obviously an April fool's day joke, but if we're going to be honest, since then we started running BJJ mental models, virtual online streams every Sunday. So, uh, and actually they've been quite popular so far. Uh, and I mean, I, we're going to keep doing those, I think as long as we can. And especially during the, uh, during this COVID-19 outbreak, our plan is that every Sunday we want to do one of these, um, online streams, uh, at least until the outbreak is over, just so that people have something to do and can keep their head in it. 
if you guys all want to join, that would be awesome. Um, we are doing it on Facebook right now, so you can go to our Facebook feed. It's every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific time, and if you miss it, their uh, Facebook records them, so you can always watch them later. But it's best to actually do them live because they're very interactive. We get a lot of questions, and we try to answer the questions as we go. So if you've ever wanted to pick our brain about something and actually see, like, visually how to answer that question, then that's probably the best opportunity. So check us out on Facebook, Sunday, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Um, more questions here related to this, though. Why do you guys always do those sarcastic fake episodes? They confuse me, and I don't realize you guys are kidding until I'm like halfway in. You mean the April Fool's episodes? Yes, people just don't get it, I guess. The, uh, by the way, for those of you who say that, like, hey, you should go back to those old episodes and mark them as April Fool's so that people know they're April Fool's, we're probably never going to do that. because yeah, it, It's it, funnier this way. It, it brings me great enjoyment if eight months after we put out one of those episodes, I get some random email from someone's asking about it and asking why we'd say something so crazy. <laughs> it's really that, like, it's the main benefit to this podcast is intentionally misleading people for our own amusement. Uh, and last question. 11 minutes and 24 seconds. That's how far I got into the explanation of your new online academy before I remembered that it was April Fool's Day. I was literally <laughs> sitting here thinking, these poor fellas are selling out. They're really abandoning all principles and trying to cash in on this pandemic by telling people that they can just distance management through a YouTube video. Well played, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yep. Cool. Well, I think that kind of wraps it up for today. Uh, again, if you have any uh, questions or comments, especially on the topic of breathing or any advice that you'd like us to share about how you learned how to control your breathing, please do let us know. I'd be happy to, to route it out to the fans out there. Uh, and again, you know, we're going to try our best to keep this thing going uh, during the pandemic. Episodes is coming out every Monday. And of course, we also have the premium stuff on Patreon. If you want to support us during this time, I mean, I know you. a lot of you guys are, of course, impacted as well. We are too. Um, and it really helps us keep the lights on if you can support us. Best way to do that is is by contributing to our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash bjjmentalmodels. When you go there, you get access to episodes early. And if you are in the premium tiers, you get access to things like a premium content that we're putting together on topics such as game planning, probably going to be a lot of emphasis on things like strategy and maybe deep dives into particular situations and positions, submissions, the kind of stuff that we don't talk about here on the podcast. Um, so far, the feedback on that premium stuff has been really really positive. So please, if you can spare anything, I mean, obviously put your own needs first, but if you can spare anything, patreon.com slash BJJ mental models, you can also support us by going to our online store, BJJ slash store, where you can pick up key patches and t-shirts. And if you want more content, or if you want to reach out to us, bjjmentalmodels.com is the, the mothership. That's the main website. We've got a database of all of these online concepts there that you can check out. You can also contact us from the site. If you go to bjjmentalmodels.com slash join, you can sign up for our mailing list where we send extended content to our newsletter group. And of course, if you want to see what we're up to or get in touch with us in ways other than the website, you can check us out on Facebook and on Instagram. Yeah. Thanks guys for all your support. It really helps us during this trying time and like Steve said, I know, uh, you know, it's not the best time for everyone else, but every every dollar helps and we really appreciate all the support. So thank you guys. Yeah, it really does make a big difference. I mean, even if it's just a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever, like it, it adds up and makes a big difference in it. It's also super motivating and, and flattering to us, I have to say, you know, that so many people would be interested in supporting us and get enough value out of the show that they'd be willing to to buck up for us. I really do appreciate that. But anyway, I, I hope this was a helpful topic covering one of the more frequently listener requested things. It only took us until episode 71 to get here, but we did. So yeah, again, uh, if there's anything else you want to know about breathing or if you've got any pointers, please do reach out. And other than that, hope you guys, you know, enjoy the rest of quarantine. Play some Final Fantasy VII, highly recommended. Yeah. Anything else, Matt? Or should we wrap up? No, I think that's everything. Thanks a lot for the listen, guys. Thanks, guys. Take care. <laughs>